right, folks. Uh, Barack Lurie on the Barack Lurie Podcast. So, uh, first of all, apologies for not getting to all of you uh, over these past couple of weeks. Uh, a lot of things have been happening. Um, as you may know, I have uh, a tough time with my parents right now. They're both uh, dealing with some old age issues and one of them a little bit more than the other, but it's still uh, quite a struggle. So we find ourselves having some difficulties taking care of them. But thank goodness uh, I have three siblings who are also able to help and we're all contributing. And, but it does take time. And uh, anyway, I, I, I just wish that uh, for everyone that they don't have to go through this. Uh, and if they do, I hope you have a lot of siblings who uh, love each other and support each other because that makes a big difference. Uh, anyway, so that's uh, one of the things. And then separately, uh, my whole family got COVID. Yeah, we did. So it was not uh, the easiest thing uh, to deal with. But on my end, Karen, uh, and, and by the way, we have Karen Sigmund here, who is the uh, CEO, the head of the American Freedom Alliance, AFA. I'm so proud to have her here. But we'll do more of a formal introduction in a moment. Um, so we had COVID and I got the COVID, Mr. COVID arrived at our doorstep. Mm. I didn't actually ask him to come. I didn't invite him, which is weird. Cause usually when somebody comes to your house, you just, you know, they, they're invited, but anyway, so he came and visited me first and I had a bad headache, uh, for one night and a sore throat for that same night. And then, um, went to bed, woke up. Felt great. Done. I went running that morning. I felt uh, just fine. So it, it was not even half a day. Uh, but then uh, my son got it, my older son, and that hit him a little harder, but only for two days. He was a little bit tired, but now he's fine. Um, and then it hit my wife, who is not fine. She just got over it, uh, like this morning, pretty much. And it was um, a real challenge. I mean, thanks, thanks to ivermectin, which I was able to give her, give her and gift her, she turned to the corner. It was, it was awesome. Now, I don't think she was going to die or anything else like that, but I think the ivermectin really helped. It, it, it was amazing how quickly she seemed to turn around after having taken the ivermectin. Um, then my daughter got it. Then my other son got it, but each of them had it only for a day or, or two days at most. And everything was okay. But I'm very happy uh, to report that everyone's okay now. But it still took a little bit of time out. And even though, you know, barely affected me, I had to play Mr. Mom and take care of the kids. Well, you get the idea. I think our listeners appreciate uh, that time is, is a real challenge. And everyone's got some difficulties, including yours truly. All right. So let me introduce the great Karen Sigmund. Because Karen is an amazing lady. Uh, she has quite a story and this is the first time she's uh, guest hosting with me. I'm, I'm so excited about that. Thank you, Karen Sigmund for being on the, on the show. And Karen, you're the head of the AFA, the American Freedom Alliance took over after the sad passing of, uh, Avi Davis. And boy, you really turned this, uh, this boat around. You made it really something even, it was already great before, but you made it even greater. Uh, Tell us in your own words, uh, Karen, you know, what, what your mission is at the AFA? Uh, oh, well, first, um, thank you so much for having me on, Barack. It's so great to see you. Great to talk with you. I um, love that you have this podcast and glad your family is all recovered. Um, and it's criminal that they withhold treatment and glad you were able to get ivermectin for your wife. Um, 
So, yes, I am head of the American Freedom Alliance, which I did take on after Avi um, had shockingly passed in 2015. The mission, as it was originally declared, was preserving Western civilization. And I remember thinking, that's pretty kind of hysterical sounding. What do you mean preserving Western civilization? Like it's under attack or something? And lo, is it not under attack? Every day we see the extent to which it's under attack. Avi had selected five particular threats, um, the encroachment of, of Islam, so kind of the supremacy of Sharia law over constitutional law, so the subverting of our culture, radical environmentalism, the destructive nature of our education system and of our media, the propagandizing of media and global governance. Those were the five. And those are all great um, focuses to have, foci to have. Those were serious threats. But with the um, with, with COVID coming on, and not COVID, frankly, but the response to COVID, we're seeing so many different kinds of threats. Obviously, it has to do with education and um, the media, of course. Without the media, we <laughs> the country, the, the world wouldn't have shut down. So we see those dangers and all kinds of new dangers. So fighting still for the preservation of Western civilization, which includes Judeo-Christian values, which includes freedom, which includes harking back to the constitution. It means harking back to the foundational tenets of this country, but Western civ as a whole, representative government. Um, I'm gonna say a really scary one, but the, the, the opportunity to say, no, I'm not gonna have that shot for a disease that's marginally right. fatal and for which there are treatments in which we know is targeted specific groups of people and the existence of which has permitted and encouraged the destruction of, of freedom throughout the first world. Yeah. And yeah. so that's, we've taken on and and we have an anti-mandate task force, not anti-vax, get it if you want, don't get it if you don't but it's the mandates that are destroying us. So. Yeah. Interesting to think what, what uh, Avi would have thought about everything. I mean, he didn't, uh, of course he didn't live long enough to see the COVID pandemic and right. wow, what a, what a response that would have been, but isn't it, you know, it's funny you, you mentioned in passing almost the uh, Islamo world's effort to replace the constitution and such. And, and those days seem so quaint, don't they? I mean, yes, it's still happening. Do. It's not as if they, they, you know, agreed to not continue their push. It's it's still there. I used uh, and to then we, of course, we get the lot. squad and everything else that, that are doing it for uh, for them. So it's it's even more so. It's more entrenched than ever, but it's it doesn't take center stage. Look. Exactly right. Yeah. I, I, I do use the word quaint all the time, referring, referring to that and referring to anything that we were concerned about prior to February of, of 2020. Yes. Oh, you know, we thought that was a big deal. How cute that was. <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, yes. In, oh, in the man. context of everything that we're living. And, and I guess I would add to the COVID nightmare. Um, in the summer of 2020, we, we were on lockdown. Our cities were burning and, and we forget about that. But the damage of Black Lives Matter and you know, all the indoctrination in our schools, those come and go with 
in relative importance to the whole COVID nightmare, but really it's COVID that's allowed all of this to flourish. And, yes. But the flip side too is because of COVID, more people are aware of what's going on in schools. So we try to take the see the silver linings in all of this too. It's it is interesting to see how COVID has really changed so many aspects of our lives. It, it has revealed so much of our character. You know, in much the same way that the 2008 financial meltdown exposed mm-hmm. a lot of the criminal behavior. Uh, that was lying underneath, right? Yes. I think that COVID exposed in many ways uh, the national character and the fear and our supine nature, uh, as my good friend and producer Ari David often calls it, the <laughs> supine nature, our, yes. our, our default nature to, to be supine and, and, compliant, and compliant to authority. And it was it's very disturbing to see it actually happening. We like to think of ourselves as as tough Americans and we are or rugged individuals and such. But you know what? Not so much, as it turns out. Not so much. No. And I've actually called 2020, I called 2020 this, but 2021, in fact, turned out to be worse. And I hope 2022 isn't. But the Luminol year, Luminol being that spritzy stuff from police, the police use, they know something bad happened and they, but you can't see the blood and then you spritz it and you shine a black light and you go, oh my God, <laughs> it's, it's not making anything be there that wasn't there. It's revealing the character, as you said. And 2020 really revealed our supine, complacent nature in a way that's been truly shocking. And and also in 2020, um, to, to that same thing. I know MAGA, Make America Great Again, was the catchphrase of Trump and those who support him, including me and you. But I said, you know, to heck with Make America Great Again. We need to make America, America again. Wow. Oh, I like that. Right? We've really lost our our nature. Uh, just from Christopher Columbus, the you know, the ultimate risk taker. Um, the pilgrims, they didn't call themselves pilgrims, the, but all of them who got on the Mayflower, imagine that happening now. We won't even go to the freaking supermarket, pardon my language, without double masking and shields and gloves and all this ridiculousness. They got on a boat. Really? Well, you know what, Karen, this, so this actually is very interesting. It dovetails nicely into what I would like to talk about today, yeah. and I'm sure you agree with me, but the the notion of how so many things that we value are are falling apart um and that and and then i want to ask the 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 general question why is it happening Mm -hmm. right so you know talking about the things that are falling apart which is you know love of america is one thing Mm -hmm. patriotism if you want to call it that Mm -hmm. uh that the the concept of family the concept of relationships for that matter the concept of truth and justice uh law and order bravery uh, as we're just talking about now um americanism yeah. Uh, the, the, the notion of exceptionalism, free speech, um, you know, and, and freedom itself. And there's so many more things, right? Of so course, art. More. All the main virtues that, that we've yeah. looked back and so appreciated, yes. Yeah, so it's, yeah, so art and music, for that matter, beauty, generally speaking, the notion of purpose, all of these things are falling apart. We, we have mm-hmm. a sense that they're all falling apart. Yeah. And the question is, is there one thing that, we can point to and say, ah, that's the reason why things are falling apart. <laughs> and, and before I, I proffer my suggestion and my 
listeners know exactly where I'm going to go with this because I'm a one trick pony, Karen, I'm a one trick pony. I'll tell you, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the, you know, before I do it though, if, if someone were to come to you, uh, let's say you're a doctor and he came to you and he, and he said, uh, you said, uh, look, uh, I, I feel um, dizzy all the time. I, I get headaches all the time. I can't see straight. I have blurry vision. Um, I'm exhausted all the time. And uh, a couple of other things like, uh, I don't know, uh, lose balance and uh, I, I have rashes and such. You know, you might very well say, wow, that, those are a lot of conditions. Let's check it out. And you would go and you try to deal with the rashes then you might send him to a doctor for the dizziness. Then you might send him to the doctor for his fatigue mm-hmm. and so on down the line. There might be five or six different symptoms that each need to be treated. And then, and then he goes to one doctor and the doctor says, you're just not drinking enough water, dude. <laughs> and it says, just drink three times as much as you usually do. Every mm-hmm. time you see water fountain, drink from it mm-hmm. and see what happens. And then sure enough, his dizziness goes away, his fatigue goes away, his rash goes away, and so on. And it's sometimes it's that simple. Mm-hmm. And that actually happened to a friend of mine in, in college, by the, not in college, in high school. Mm-hmm. He just disappeared for a, a couple of weeks. In fact, what am I saying? Uh, three months he was gone. Is that And we all, we all wondered where Roger had gone. Where did he go? And it turned out he was going from this clinic to that clinic to the, my, to the Mayo Institute. He, he's flown here and there. The, the, the parents were puzzled. And uh, then one day, three months later, Roger shows up. And I, I asked Roger, hey, dude, where, where have you been? <laughs> and Roger says, oh, I, I had a medical issue. And I said, what was that? And he goes, I was dizzy. I just, I couldn't walk straight. I, I was constantly falling down on the ground. And so what happened? You're, you're obviously here. You're okay. And he says, well, yeah, we went through doctor after doctor. We went to the Mayo Institute and all those things I just told you about. Mm-hmm. You literally must have tra- you know, traversed about 50,000 miles just going to doctor to doctor throughout the country and outside the country. And then I said, well, what was the, what was the answer? And he said, well, we finally went to a, a nutritionist and he asked whether or not I liked green vegetables. And I hated green vegetables. And he said, eat some green vegetables. You'll be okay. <laughs> and that was it. He was done. You know, just the green vegetables. He needed to come up with a way better story. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That, that's right. <laughs> really? Spinach? <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting, right? So, yeah, so yeah, it is. In the same way, you know, that water would be the answer in, that, in the first case, the hypothetical case, and the green vegetables was in the second very real case, is there something that can explain all the ailments that we are now facing as a society? Yep. <laughs> Karen, what would you say it is? I would say, well, if you look, if you look at all the words that you cited, all the virtues, yes. and everything that that's an underpinning of this country and that's led to us being the freest, most prosperous, and not just for us, but our prosperity has made the entire planet more prosperous. The things that are, that are making us ill um, have been isolation. Um, and, and I'm a real adherent of um, Matthias Desmet's mass formation theory, that there are a number of conditions that had to exist before we could all be brainwashed in the way that we are. They are isolation. They are lack of purpose. They are free-floating anxiety and free-floating frustration. We've all been walking around with those conditions even before COVID. 
Yes. They have been destroying our sense of self. They have been destroying our sense of community. They have been creating victims out of everybody. They've been pulling the rug out from, from all of us in terms of having a purpose um, and so on. Uh, our, our identities are being destroyed. The identities of our children are being destroyed. And I would say all of that is due to, drumroll, please, secularization. Ta-da! Now you see why I love this woman so much. She's awesome. Yeah, Am I, right? I, I think it's yeah, secularization and and godlessness generally speaking. And we godlessness have God. generally speaking, absolutely. Yeah. There is there is nothing among all those virtues that we treasure, whether it's truth or law and order, yeah, beauty for that matter, free speech even that cannot that yeah. does not owe everything its existence to God. Yes. You know, there, there is no, let me make this very plain as day. There is no need for beauty in a world without God. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's no good or evil and therefore there's no beauty or ugliness. There, there's no, uh, there's no there's right no or purpose. wrong, of course, in a world without God. That, by definition, by definition. Right. Uh, and know. no, there's no purpose. If, if you're, if you are only in the here and now, what, what is your purpose? If, if you, if you're not acting for things that are bigger than yourself, you have no purpose and you yeah. are lost. And what they do is they, the left, um, yeah. undermined everything that gives us meaning, everything that gives us purpose, everything that gives us community, everything that gives us um, a sense of self-worth. And this is what's so destructive. And then, and then COVID comes and, and it just completely shreds the fabric of absolutely everything. But that could not have been rent without it having previously been damaged to the extent that it did with taking God away. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's, it's their constant push and chipping away of all the yeah. structures, the pillars of, of our civilization, because I mean, look, marriage is not important without God. Just mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. no reason for marriage. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to have kids Correct. without God. I, I've, I've said this to atheists and, and, and my listeners know, I just beg of you, whenever you see an atheist and he has a kid, uh, and then maybe not in the earshot of the kid, if he's aware enough, uh, to say, hey, why would you have your why? kid? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. And they, they often look at each other, assuming that there's the, the mothers in the picture as well. And they say, yeah, honey, why did we have this kid? They don't know why. And, and I don't know why either, if they're an atheist, that is. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm. Um, and I talk about this a lot in my book, Atheism Destroys, but it's, it's a fun way to kind of look at these things. Why, why are the things that we value the things that we value? Why, and, and could they exist without God? And I'm telling you, there's just nothing out there that, that we no. truly value. Uh, no, the the world without God would only be with a, a world with, with um, uh, you know, just attacking other animals uh, mm-hmm. avoiding being eaten yourself and just seeking to mate the opposite sex. That's it. Thank well, I you think much. you had made this point in, um, at least when we spoke about rise of the sex machines, it's all it, without God, we are all narcissists. Yes. Oh yes. And there is no, so that, that defeats, that's, that's purposelessness. That's community list. That's the ultimate um, unfulfillingness. Yeah. And mankind, man is not intended to be that way. 
And yeah. narcissism being what it is these days, which is, that's, that is the credo of the left, um, you, you see how destructive it is and how unfulfilling it is. And it just draws us further and further away and yeah. makes people miserable. We are not supposed to be focused only on our own selves. It may right. seem like it's the right thing to do. And, you know, right out of the 60s, all the, the mantras, but it's not fulfilling in the slightest. No, you know, the things that, that are immediate impulses for us are actually not necessarily healthy for us either. The fact is, you know, look, I, you know, most men just, you know, if you leave them to their own devices, they would like to have sex all day. Uh, and most uh, men, men and women would love to just eat all day, right? I mean, that's, those are our impulses or, yeah. or to not work or to just sleep all the time. You know, those are the things that we are, you know, that, that are govern our impulses mm-hmm. and they're not healthy. It's all about restraint that makes things great at the end of the day. Hard work is, is right. by definition hard. So these are things that going back to relationships, it's interesting you said that. And I really love that you said it. That we are not meant to be alone. We're not meant to be self-cloistered like this. It, it is exactly the opposite message. That's why you and I, you yeah. know, I remember you and I went to rallies uh, protesting the shutdown. Yes. And, and yes. thank goodness we did, right? Yeah. Uh, and life was fine. We, we, did, we didn't live in fear whatsoever. Absolutely. But the point is that it is totally antithetical to what God wants from us, what we know that God wants from us, from yeah. the Bible and otherwise. You don't have to believe the Bible. I'm just telling you, for those of us who truly are faithful, we know that God wants us to be together. The, the Bible, as I say in my book, it's, it's a book about relationships, right? It's not just a bunch of stories about man conquering the weather, for example, or, or mm-hmm. conquering a beast. Mm-hmm. It's about two things. It's conquering himself mm-hmm. and conquering uh, and, and developing and nurturing relationships with others, right? The story yeah. of Joseph and Jacob, for example, uh, the story of uh, Esau, the story of Cain and Abel, Moses mm-hmm. and Pharaoh. I mean, all the way down the line, they're all about how people interact mm-hmm. with one another. And, yeah. and that's, that's what it's all about. Nowhere does it say it's, is it good to be left alone. So you and I both balked at this notion that we are all to stay in our homes and not to congregate and, and not to go to church for that matter. We didn't like it. We, we felt there was something wrong with it. In the same way that we feel it's very wrong when, when the global warming movement tells us that we shouldn't have any more kids. Exactly like, nope, right. No, 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 that's, that, that does not square with what we know God wants from us, which is to be fruitful and multiply. And multiply. Yeah. And he doesn't, it's not whimsical on his part, him with an H. It's not, you know, I want you to do this be, just because, you know, I'm moving pieces on a chessboard or whatever. It is what makes us the most satisfied. It yeah. is what makes as individuals, it, it what helps us to be the best individual we can be. It is what brings us fulfillment. That's the tiny macro individual level. It is what builds, you know, I guess, Dennis Prager, the building blocks of society, of humanity, the family. So now we have the family. Yeah. Now we have society. It's what works best. And yeah. it, all of those things that, that we've been talking about, it's not just so I am whatever, I'm, I'm following somebody's rule. These rules are, they're not rules, these um Maybe they are rules. This is what works. Be fruitful and multiply. This is what gives humans 
the greatest satisfaction in life. Yeah. And you had said this before, that we, it's not doing easy things, it's doing hard things. We could eat all day, we could have sex all day, whatever. Those are base instincts, those are animal instincts. But we are humans and humans need that other layer of meeting a challenge, of having a purpose, of rising to a thing that we couldn't, didn't think we could do. I had been a teacher for many years and I'm, I'm a parent. <laughs> When you, children are their happiest, and I would contend adults also, when they meet a challenge they didn't think that they could. And wow. to wow. remove that opportunity, the desire, the challenge, the opportunity from kids, which is what schools do these days, oh, we can't give them this book, it's too hard. It's when they rise to that thing that you see them grow in stature before your very eyes. Yeah. And this is so yeah. destructive to say, oh, you know, to decide a priori, no, we're not going to let them read Shakespeare. We're not going to have calculus. We're not going to try teaching another foreign language. We don't want to hurt their little self-esteem. They know they're being coddled and they know that they're being shortchanged. And yes. in final analysis, we know they're being shortchanged too. We are supposed to rise to things. We're not supposed to eat all day. We are supposed to be restrained in our behavior mm -hmm. it's that's what fulfills mm -hmm. us as individuals and it's what gives us happiness eating all day doesn't make us happy fulfilling <laughs> those you know yeah I, yeah no look i it, want it's, you so i can no 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 it's not a good idea it's it's not a good idea and and going back to your point about uh children conquering their fears and for that matter challenges and obstacles that they thought yeah. they couldn't do before i can tell you as a parent of three that my greatest satisfaction, my greatest moments of joy uh, is when I see my child conquer a fear. Yeah. Uh, and, and suddenly he's suddenly he's swimming. Suddenly he's uh, on the mountain bike and he's going over that rock yeah. that, that he thought he was so afraid of. It's, it's awesome. It's a great feeling for him and it's a great feeling for you. And it's about being, uh, you know, uh, being not just a human but, but, but being an American in, in a sense, it's, it's about being a rugged individual and yeah. seeking yeah. the greater glory of God. There's, there, there's nothing like that in the animal kingdom. There, right. Relationships That's are so right. important. And this is where the destruction um, of secularism really comes in. It really kicks in, right? Is it's when we, and it's such a powerful thing in my book. It's one of my favorite chapters in the book is that we understand about relationships, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So when you think about it, when, when you think about a relationship, the first thing you, your mind goes to is your relationship with your boyfriend, your husband, girlfriend, that sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Then you say, oh yeah, well, I have a relationship with my parents, that's true. And a relationship with my siblings, that's true. And my, my children, grandchildren and so on. Uh, yes, that, those are all relationships. But then you think, oh yeah, you know, I, I have a relationship with some friends. You know, mm -hmm. we have a friendship, that's a relationship of sorts. Uh, and then you have your office colleagues. Yes, that's a relationship uh, when you think about it. But it's not just that either. It's the people that you uh, talk to on the street on your way to work or in the bus who are with you. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden you realize every interaction you have, there's a relationship going on. Even when you're in a, tra in a traffic jam, the, mm -hmm. the, the car in front of you, the car behind you, the car to your left mm -hmm. and right, mm -hmm. you you. Oddly enough, you have a relationship with each of them. And in what way? I mean, right, yes, technically speaking, you're, the, you're his car neighbor. Yes, fair enough. But you have a duty to each other mm -hmm. to make sure not to slam into each other, not to drive too fast, too slow, that sort of thing, to give way where you need to give way, 
these are relationship aspects. Yes. But then it's even further than that, isn't it, Karen? Like you have a relationship with people you can't even see. Mm-hmm. Right? It, don't we have a relationship in a sense that you and I have a relationship to the future? We have a, uh-huh. a relationship to the future generations Great to, to make sure that they understand God, that they uh, enjoy the benefits of America and truth and honor to make, to get us closer to God for that matter. We have a, a, a relationship and a duty to our past. I was going to say to, to, to the, the best, best to our care for past, the past, to our yeah. forebears. And yes. yeah. And then the visible people that we don't see at all. I mean, I, I, do you ever, you ever park in such a way, or you, you're looking for a parking spot and you see some schmuck has parked in a way that now precludes you from having a parking spot. Mm-hmm. Right. He's, yeah. you know, whatever he's, he's parked over the line and you say to yourself, man, I could have Maddening. had a parking spot. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you feel like sometimes you write a note on a shield and say, Hey, it would be nice if you didn't do that anymore. Uh, some people are a little bit more vulgar about it, but you get the idea. <laughs> so, but that's a relationship. You have a duty to somebody else, even though you can't see him. Right. You know, when you go to the, the restroom, right. You have a duty to not make a mess. How about that? You know, consider the, the person who might be coming after you. Mm-hmm. And men, I say this mostly to you, okay? So, <laughs> <laughs> although I hear that women's restrooms are not the, the best either. So, But you get the idea. Relationships, everything is about the relationship. Yeah. How do we deal with each other? But with Karen? Our connectedness. Yeah. But all that matters not in a world without God. Uh-huh. It just goes poof. And we're seeing that going poof, yes, aren't we? we? we absolutely the, the family are. is no longer what it used to be. Uh, having a child, especially a woman, having a child out of wedlock uh, is perfectly normal. It's, there's no big deal. She doesn't need a husband. She doesn't need a father for the, for the child. Um, mm-hmm. Because by golly, she can do it all on her own because she's making money on her own, you see. And therefore, that's all that matters. So uh, never mind that maybe a, a husband and a father have something to contribute to the, to the child that she can't give and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. These are the things that, and, and then have you heard this phrase before, Karen, when, you know, in the olden days, when you went on a date and you met somebody, you really liked him or her, and, and then you, you feel the sense that this person completes me, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Completion. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about completion anymore. Have you noticed that? In yeah. This- yes. Well, and that's, we're right back to narcissism, aren't we? Yeah, it we're is. We're not supposed to need anybody. A woman without a man is like a fish without a bicycle. That's what I had was raised with, right. which denies the, so much of this is the war on men, which hurts men. And by the way, ladies, it hurts women too. Yeah, of course. It's the dumbest um, self-destructive kind of thing. So, right. Yeah, no, we're not allowed to complete anybody. We're we're not supposed to need anybody to complete us. It's purely isolation. It's it's isolating. It's isolating. But, yeah. but I would add, though, just to what you're saying, because there's an awareness of this. Yes, they have secularized. Yes, they have atomized. Yes, they have removed the need and the family and the structure and God. Truly, everything COVID-related, again, response to COVID-related, has become a religion of its own. And they've been exploiting our need for purpose. Why do people wear a mask? It's become a totem and it's a symbol and it's some kind of a amulet of some kind. And it says, I'm not just protecting my own self, I'm protecting you. So that gives purpose where they had denied us purpose before. And 
the, everything to do with the COVID response really has ritualistic nature. It has mm-hmm. purpose. It's got, it has many elements. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I call it the God impulse. You know, we, we all have the God impulse. And if you, if you don't get it through God, you will try to connect it and make it, make it happen through something else. And here comes yes. COVID and suddenly it gives them this great yes. sense of purpose. They are, they are one in the cause of something glorious. Uh, is, but this is, is, you know, it's a calling that they have. They just don't realize it's misplaced. And, and that explains everything that the madness that you and I were scratching our heads, at least yeah. in the very beginning. Yeah. Now we understand it better that why people were wearing the mask in their car when they're alone, no less. Uh, right. You know, I got you know, I, I love mountain biking and I, I see people, you know, with ma- masks uh, totally alone in the middle right. of nowhere wearing a mask. Yeah. And uh, you, you've got to be crazy. I mean, even, even you are. must realize this makes no sense. It makes no so, sense. None of this makes any sense. But I also mm-hmm. want to bring up um, you, you would, you were talked about children overcoming fear. And when I was talking about a challenge, I think the fear part, we can't leave out of this conversation. I love that you brought that up because they have been terrorizing children. Yes. To get, you know, we, as kids, I don't know about you, but if, if, an adult told me not to do this, I was going to do that. And if they said, do this, I was not going to do that. So when you're 11, 12, 13, 14, you're, you're kind of defiant. And when you see 13 year olds walking around outside alone, and I see this a lot here in LA skateboards, right? So these are skater boys wearing masks. There's nobody around them. Whatever language was used to get a 13-year-old skater boy to wear a mask even alone, that's a kid with a deep-rooted fear right now. Yeah, that's and right. You want your kids to overcome fear, to be mountain biking, to do this and that, to overcome the fear. There's a terror that's been bred in, in children in these last two years. Yes. I don't this, this was the I gotta tell you, possible. as a parent. As a parent, this was the biggest challenge of COVID for me. Yeah, I wasn't worried about COVID at all. I, as you know, I went around in 2020 in particular during the height of all that. I saw that as an opportunity. The air, the airports were empty, and I said, "I'm you fine." You guys went baby. everywhere. Yeah, I went everywhere. I mean, like yeah. the Johnny Cash song, "I've been everywhere, man." So I, I went to Alaska. I went to South Dakota. I went to Arizona, Texas. I went everywhere you can imagine, uh, and had the blast doing it. And there was nobody in the plane with me. And I just laughed all the way through it. And you know what? I told my kids to laugh at it too. Yeah. These people, you know, I said, it's a cold. It's a freaking cold. Yes, you know, you got to watch out for people who are very frail and such. Of and course, we of wish course. them the very best, but, you know, treat it like a cold and don't think the world is going to end. This is not what God right. wants from us. And exactly. we went out and we walked around and they were not afraid. And all, not all of them, uh, their friends, but so many of their friends were devastated. It, and it was really horrific stuff that their parents were doing. And I'm sure they meant well, but they were only teaching them fear, Me which fear. is another thing that we value courage, right? Courage. Yeah. There is no need for courage in a world without God. That's Zero. Right. That's, That's a whole, right. a whole chapter in and of itself is, is courage. You, oh. you cannot have courage without God. I, I've always believed that it's it, why, why should you have courage? If, if there is a, if it's only fight or flight, mm-hmm. that's what happens in the animal kingdom, right? There's yeah, no courage yeah, yeah. in the animal kingdom, yeah. right? It's just survival. Yeah. And, and courage is a uniquely human characteristic. That's what but, it is. 
You are going to love this then. Um, the American Freedom Alliance, we have a newsletter. I've been working on it. I just haven't been able to launch it because it's not a trivial thing. But our newsletter is called Tharos, which means courage in Greek. Oh, really? So we've got our Western Civ heritage, Greek, and Tharos, which is which is courage, because that is the thing that without it, none of the rest matters. You can be smart, funny, blah, 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 have conviction, have, you know, right thinking and all that. But without courage, you got nothing. And I love what you're saying. It is uniquely human. Yeah. And without God, there is no need for it. So, so Thoros, that's, that's our newsletter. Oh, (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I love it. You know, it's so interesting when you ask a you ask a, a, a devout Christian or a devout Jew, somebody who is, has God in his life, and you say to him, what if you were fighting the Nazis? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you were of age at the time during the Nazis. Would you want to go to war and fight against the Nazis? And every one of them would say to a man, yes, I got to mm-hmm. do it. I, and I know that I might die, but, you know, this is, this is what you have to do. Yeah. You have to fight evil. And that seems straight, straightforward enough. Mm-hmm. You ask you ask an atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, maybe the Nazis is not a good example because people, you know, have, have this romanticized vision of fighting the Nazis of our own selves. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. but if you were to tell them, look, you know, if there's some sort of existential threat against America, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you were asked to fight, would you do so? And they all say to a man, no. No, that's, that's America's problem. Let's some other sucker do that. Yep. They don't use the word sucker, but they basically mean, I don't want to do it. My life is precious. Life over everything. That's they really right. mean that. And they say it over and over again. So, and they'll uh, say, we, I'm okay. The irony is, I'm okay. What's, say again? And they'll say, I'm okay. I, it, it, it's all right. I'm okay. Like it's only <laughs> exactly. right, nar- narcissism. It's only, it's only about them because there is yeah. no past. There is no future. And there is yeah. nothing else. Yeah, that's that, that. That is the way they look at it. So, yeah. we, you know, ironically, but for the Christian or Jew who who did fight, who did was willing to sacrifice his own life, yeah. they wouldn't have the freedoms to now talk uh, about all how much they hate capitalism in America, generally speaking, and how evil America is. Uh, you know, they they might have very well gotten their wish had the, had the, nobody joined the the army at the time of World War II. Anyway, you get the idea, but. You know, and I, I made the bold statement before that without God, so many of the things that we value uh, would all perish. Yes. And one of them is law and order, right? So I, in, in my book and otherwise, but I don't think this is uh, an incredible insight. I just, it was too easy for me, this particular chapter, Karen, mm-hmm. where I said, okay, I'm going to assume, and maybe I'll find out whether I'm right or not, but I'm going to assume for the sake of discussion that the mafia uh, are not religious people. Drug cartel leaders, not religious people. Sex traffickers, not religious people. Mm-hmm. Mass murderers, serial killers, not religious people. And you know what I found, Karen? I was 100% right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, is, there is nobody that you could say in the mafia, drug cartels, uh, or otherwise, who truly believes in, in Jesus, who goes to church all the time. It just doesn't happen. All the serial killers, all the mass murderers were avowed atheists and narcissist atheists at that. Mm, yeah. So it's very telling. Now, 
That, does, that doesn't mean, my dear listener, it doesn't mean that if you're an atheist, you're going to become a drug, drug trafficker or a killer. I get it, okay? But it does mean that if you are a killer and a sex trafficker, drug trafficker, and all those other things I mentioned, it does mean that you are an atheist in those circumstances. Yeah. So yeah. be careful about your ideology. Your ideology is not so awesome. How about that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they think that it will solve all the world's problems. And then you ask them how, I mean, it's only caused problems, but right. I can, I can tell you, you know, day in, day out that every virtue that we love, including law and order, uh, is, is thanks to God and with secularism. And I, I really want to draw, you know, draw a harsher uh, critique of it because secularism, yes, by definition implies godlessness, but secularism is almost quaint because when people say secular, well, because then, then they right away go to this notion that, well, we want a separation of church and state. We don't necessarily want, you know, senators and congressmen doing everything for God. Uh, they, they could be informed by God, but anyway, it gets, it gets conflated is what I'm saying. Uh, but, but true godlessness, godlessness. actually ripping yeah. God out of society. Yeah. That's when bad things start happening. Like taking, you know, not having enough water, not having enough of the green vegetables that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. So if we, we know that if we plugged in God, if everyone had a notion of God within them, we would not have any of these ailments that we're talking That's about. Right. Yeah. That's so right. I just, I, I love the free speech. It was my, my favorite one, Karen. That's, it, it's a, it's an interesting thing. When, when you think of free speech, you think that, okay, well, other democracies have free speech too, like Australia and England and France and Canada and so on. Mm-hmm. And technically speaking, they do. They have free speech. But, not, but, but there's something about America. There's something unique about Americans' versions of free speech. We, we sense that when you come to America, boy, oh, boy, that free speech thing, that's a little bit more intense. And nobody seems to know why. I've asked this basic question to so many people, and they well, don't know why. Um, I, I would say that elsewhere... While they may say that they have free speech, they also protect other people's rights from being harmed or offended by somebody's speech. And we Uh don't have that kind of commensurate whatever. Free speech has to apply to speech that somebody might object to. Or what's the point? Why are you protecting a thing that doesn't require protecting? So every... Elsewhere in Europe, Australia, elsewhere, um, there is a, essentially a bulwark against a- actual free speech. And that is, yes, you can say whatever you want, but I have a right to not be hurt by it. Right. Yes. And you they really feel that. They really feel that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, it might be simpler than that, Karen, because the question is, I mean, you're describing the difference and you're right. That, that is exactly the right difference. They feel that free speech has its limitations. But yeah. it begs the question, why is it so? Why, why is free speech in America, when we have that sense of free speech, why is it so different here than it is over there? Well, also, our, all of our freedoms we consider, and this is maybe where you're going with this, we consider to be given by God and protected by the Constitution. Give Elsewhere, the lady some flowers. Because... Give the lady the, the jackpot. She <laughs> goes home with a Chevrolet. No. <laughs> That's right. Yay! But right, you get a Chevrolet, and you get a Chevrolet. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Nowhere it's, else. It. It's it's um. Hmm. What should what what rights should we grant? Should we grant people? Right. 
we're ours are the only ones that say we've got these we're just codifying yeah. them and protecting them but they we we didn't give them we can't take them away that's right so el- that's right. elsewhere uh, but- what, what's the big long list you have a right to not be hurt you have a right to a nice house a good job it's a very backwards um tower thinking yeah or backwards um way of looking at at the very <laughs> notion of rights what are rights they just come if, if rights only come from man then then man can take away those rights exactly. it's as simple as that and and then and as far as free speech is concerned that's exactly what we're seeing people see that well you know it's not god given certainly not in europe and therefore well yes it's a right but you know it's a right just like you have the right to go driving and you can go as far as you like and whenever you want yes but you also have to obey all these rules of the roads that, that right. constantly change all the time so right. you, you can drive, yes, but so long as you don't offend anybody else, you know, and smash into somebody else. And look, the rules of the road, that's not a God-given right. We understand that. Right. But right. When, you, when you assume that free speech is the same level as, as the right to drive, then we've got a problem. And what we're seeing now, not surprisingly, as we lose more and more of God in our civilization mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. America, the more people are clamoring for the kind of restrictions on free speech like they have in Europe, like they have in New Zealand and Australia. Yeah. So it's, it's not surprising. Look, the, would... the ultimate, it's, it's all about the ailments and, and understanding what is it that might be the one thing that would resolve, I'd say about 98% of our real frustrations on the planet. I mean, Dennis Prager says all the time that, you know, if we just, if everyone observed the tennis, the 10 commandments, your life would be great. And, and he's right. Um, I, I just go one step further. I just, as long as people absorb the notion that God is is real, that mm-hmm. God has created the universe, that we are obligated to God, then the, of course the Ten Commandments becomes part of that. And I just think invoke God back into the picture, and great things will happen. Well, listen, Karen, I want to thank you so much for it's being been a part real of the Brooklyn Podcast. Barack. So much fun. Thank you. Yeah, I've had you as a guest on my, my Sunday show, and you've yes. always been great. I've got to have you again on this show as well because you make Thank such you. a great uh, guest, I, I have Thank to you. tell you. A real All right. God bless. And uh, well. this is Brock Lurie signing off saying God bless. Be strong, and we will talk with you next week. <laughs>